What is going on, soccer fans? And welcome to the number one soccer-specific podcast in Sacramento, the Sacktown FC podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Check them out today at roughneckscarves.com and raise your game. Today, I'm joined by my co-hosts, John and Michael. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good, man. It's, uh, it's every, like I say, every time, it's like Groundhog Day. You just wake up and everything's the same, man. Nothing changes. You wake up, you throw a different pair of, uh, of shorts on and a different shirt, and you just kind of grind the day out, man. So nothing really changes. I was actually thinking the same thing myself today. That's just kind of repetition over and over. But uh, yeah, I'm, feel, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, excited to uh, interview a fellow Liverpool supporter. Speaking of Liverpool supporters, today, joining us via the Makuni Dreamline, we are privileged to have the opportunity to be joined by a member of the Fox Sports family, where he covers the Europa League, Champions League, as well as Bundesliga. He's also a play-by-play voice, the play-by-play voice for the Seattle Sounders, UEFA A-licensed coach, and still waiting for a championship after 30 years. <laughs> Please welcome Keith Costigan to the show. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm just like you guys, day by day. It's, uh, you know, the, the big occasion in the day is having dinner, right? It's, I've got to the point where I finish dinner and I go, what's for dinner tomorrow? Because there's nothing else major that happens in between. But uh, no, excited to, excited to be on and talk some soccer with you guys. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking the time again. And hopefully we can uh, get some uh, insight and also, uh, you know, potentially make you want to come on more often. Of course. Definitely, definitely. So before we get started here, Keith, uh, getting into the meat of the interview, can you give us some background of your playing career? Maybe with the start uh, with St. Kevin's Boys in Ireland to the time with Harrisburg City? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I grew up in Ireland. I think, like, in Ireland, you have a couple of choices. Celtic is a given. There is, you know, you support Celtic, and then you're, you're either Liverpool or Man United, at least back then it was. So I picked Liverpool. Um, I, I got the chance to play for Kevin's and Stella Mara's, two great clubs. Um, went to League of Ireland, but I kind of knew, I knew my limits as a player, which I think is important. And I said, why not get an education? Came to America on a, on a scholarship. Uh, I went to Cal State Bakersfield. Uh, then was lucky enough to play for Portland Timbers, just kind of right at the the, the, the comeback of Portland uh, around 2000, 2001. Played in Harrisburg, and uh, and then eventually when I came back to LA, uh, I got offered a, a chance to work on Fox Sports. Um, I quickly realized that I had a better chance of being a, a really good commentator than I did being a, a really good soccer player. So I decided to to put everything into into that part of my career and you know I haven't looked back since I really enjoyed it so you know we, we know you you started out with Fox you know doing the Friday night football show yep. and you currently co-host the Super Sunday plus have you found that the transition from playing to hosting uh, been a challenge for you or how has that been like no at first you know the first year I, I went into television I'd know my my college degree was in finance um I would, people always tell me like oh what was it like studying journalism or I never did any of that so that first year I felt like I was trying to say what people what I thought people wanted me to say or what I heard other people on TV say I, I was very cliche and you know using lines from other TV presenters and I, I remember watching back that summer and going what the hell was I talking about when I was saying that's that was dreadful. So when I look back on that now, I, I needed to do that to get where I am now, I think. But but I always thought in that summer, if I get the chance again, I just want to talk and kind of talk like I'm talking to a friend, um, have those conversations, and I, I think I'd be better. 
And, you know, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity again. Uh, obviously, my boss wasn't watching too much that first year. Um, and, and then after that, it, it became, I felt more of who I was, you know, translating in TV rather than this kind of persona of somebody else on TV. That's funny because the rumor around the block is you were always the uh, comedian in the locker room. So you were the guy to, to always make people laugh. <laughs> I, I, I thought maybe, I mean, I thought I was a comedian. I, I liked, um, I, I mean, for me, there's nothing that beats. People talk about missing playing and everything, whatever, whatever level it is. The one thing that people talk about is not the money, not the, all of the fame. It's the locker room. It's been in the dressing room, interacting with, with teammates, um, creating that bond. So um, I, coach, I coach a little bit now. I build an academy, and, and that's my release for me. It's, it's been around all these young kids who have designs on being a player and listening to the interactions. And, yeah, I, I love a joke. I, I like to play, play practical jokes. Maybe, maybe I'm not as funny as, uh, as I think. Um, but that's that's certainly one of the biggest things that I miss about the the, the playing side of things. So in 2016, you uh, started with the Sounders as the play-by-play voice. Um, what has that experience been like for you? Un- unbelievable. Uh, I, I mean, I went up there. It was at first, I you know, when Seattle called, I was like, God, I, I want to make this work. But there's so much going on, you know, that I cover for Fox. And I, I had a great boss at the time of Fox. Um and he called me in and said, you want to do this? And he goes, well, let's make it work. We'll, we'll work, work it into your schedule. So I remember going up and just being in the stadium and just walking around the city. And it's one of those cities where, um, no disrespect to other MLS cities, but you can walk around and maybe not see the jersey of the team. You may not know where, but in Seattle, you know, I'm seeing Casey Keller jerseys still everywhere or, you know, players that play week in, week out on the team. And then I go meet Casey, who I'm going to be working with. And, what a legend he is so it's like come on this this is the very top level of of american soccer american sports for me the way seattle run things so um from from day one um it, it, it's been an amazing experience fan base up there being inside the stadium we've had a couple of three nil down to come back for three three so my liverpool connection certainly enjoys that uh that kind of comeback um but yeah i, I absolutely love being in the city love being in that stadium and and you know it, it's it's a real honor to work for the club yeah that city's pretty great and those fans they're, they're amazing to see on tv i'd love to go catch a game live uh the sounders won in 2016 you could say you were a good luck charm for them uh, <laughs> that first season but uh, they lost in the final the next year what made 2017 different than 2016 um funny enough i 2017 was probably a better season it's just one of those things you know you talk about peaking at the right time uh, it was the same uh, team we were playing in terms of Toronto. So they had a little bit of revenge on their mind. I think they hit form at the right time. Uh, and, and home field advantage in that final is always going to be, you know, vitally important. So overall, if I, if I took both seasons and, and, and cut off the final, I would have said 2016 was a bit of a disaster early on and, and, and it became good. You, you, you got hot at the right time, the playoff time. 2017, a more rounded team, but maybe lacked a little bit in that final third over that final game or two. So that was the issue. But then, obviously, we got a revenge just last season on, on Toronto again. So it's kind of been a, I don't know, I, I've, I've never comfortable with the word dynasty. They use it a lot in American sports. But three of the last four finals of it, between us and Toronto, we've won two. I think if you had said that four years ago, I think most people would have taken that. So we're, we're in good shape. Well, it's interesting because I was talking to uh, Greg Vanny yesterday and 
coach had an interesting conversation in that his philosophy is, well, his job relies on championships. Like if he doesn't win a championship or he's not playing for it, it bothers him and it bothers the ownership of that team. So he's trying to figure out, and we were talking about the youth development because he's also technical director. So how are you able to, you know, bring players along, sure. but still keep that mentality of winning championships? And they've been in and out every year, I think, uh, the yeah. last four or five years. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say Greg is one of those coaches. and I'm not quite sure why. Doesn't seem to get the, the, the credit that other coaches who've done well in the league have got. Um, you know, I, I think there's some clubs that they become the, the, the it team for MLS. They get all the publicity. But over the course of the last few years, I think Greg has built an incredible team. Um, and not just that, they had one time where they had a lot of injuries. They kind of had to go through what you thought was going to be a dip to go back up. But he really managed that well. And that, that, that for me is a sign of a good manager. Um, they were excellent at the, the back end of last season. Um, they just ran into a Seattle team that had the whole city behind them on that yeah. final day. But I, I think what Toronto has done um, over the last four or five years has been incredible. And Greg has been, you know, obviously an integral part of that. Well, looking back to it, 2016, that was the year that uh, the coaching change was made halfway through, right? So they had that, that fresh air, or that new opportunity or new instruction. So it could have brought a little bit more um, life to the team as well. Yeah, for, for, for Toronto, I'm not sure if Greg changed. I know. I know no, for, I'm saying for Seattle, though. For oh, yeah, Seattle. for Seattle. Yeah, look, it, it, it was um, – Brian Smetzer was, was born to coach Seattle Sounders. If you meet the guy – he, he just has this aura about him. I, Jimmy Traore, Michael, you'll know, he played for Liverpool, obviously, in the, in the Champions League final. Jimmy's one of the assistants, and he says when he talks to Brian, he, it just reminds him of a coach who's been around the club forever in England. And, and that's what he is. So you think a, a coach was given the job on an interim basis. He never was once panicking. I, I'd walk into him in the morning at the hotel, sitting having a coffee. Five players out tonight, Brian. Yep, we'll be fine. And I'm going, he's not just saying it. Some people, like, he had this, like, whatever, I believe in this club. There's, there's something bigger there. Yeah. And uh, he, he just took it and ran with it. And I, I, I give him all the credit in the world. But also, that first week, Nico Ladero arrived. Um, Roman Torres came back from injury. So to be a great coach, you, you need great players too. And Nico Ladero coming in midseason, Wow there's there's a lot of great DPs, but what Nico does is he makes everybody else around them better too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're in the hotel, uh, you know, in preseason, they have two sessions and I, I go to the gym in the morning, might not look it, but I do. Um, and he's in there, he's in there on the treadmill. I'm going, you have two sessions later. Yeah, I like to keep fit. I mean, the guy is just the ultimate pro. And, and I think you add that in, that gives you that ledge to be a champion. And I, th I think Smets has been incredible, but Nico Ladero as well. What, what a signing he's been for the club. Yeah, he's definitely been, been an amazing player. And, you know, hopefully we get more uh, Nico Ladeiros out here with the other teams as well. So you mentioned, you know, the Sounders. They won the 2019 championship. You know, it was, it was a great year for them because, you know, they took their revenge on, on Toronto after that final that they lost against them which personally I think they should have beaten Toronto the first time um how important was you know that championship last year for the club and also for the community um I think it was important because it was the first championship in front of your home fans you always dream of that uh you know to, to win in Toronto absolutely incredible you'll take an MLS cup any which way you can 
But to, to bring it home, and it, last year to, to qualify, LAFC, everybody talked about them. They were an incredible team to go into LAFC and perform the way Seattle did to, to, to earn the right to host the final was was incredible. But I just remember, you know, the, the night before being out with Steve Zakawani and, and a couple of others that have played and saying, what do you think it's going to be like tomorrow? And we were all kind of saying, I, I think it's going to be unreal. And it exceeded our expectations. Walking into the stadium, the atmosphere, um, you, you, you just had, you know, all the stars from Seattle, all the, all the, I'm not in, I'm not that big into music, but all the musicians that are from Seattle out on the, on the, the, the field and the crowd jam-packed stadium. And they call it the 12th man in NFL. And it really was the, the, the 12th man that day as well. So I, I think the importance of it was to do it in your city, to be able to go out that night and celebrate in your city with your fans uh, means it, it, it's a night that will live forever in history. And, and I was you know, delighted to be there and delighted to be a part of the whole journey that season. That's great. I mean, that's, that's an interesting aspect too. If you look at it being, I've never understood. I've always, I've always wondered why they didn't keep with the neutral site and, and take away the home field advantage for an MLS cup. But I guess it, it creates more of an interest when you have your home team in front of its crowd, but it also in a way hinders the, uh, the away team. Yeah, I, I think for me, I think the biggest issue was in European leagues, um, you don't have a final like this. Um, and the, they wanted to place more emphasis on the importance of the regular season. So the higher up you are in the regular season, you get the opportunity to host uh, playoff games. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, if you look, I've been at the last couple of Champions League finals and um, they're... The, the, the fans are, are pretty much well represented, but it also becomes a bit of a corporate day out. And uh, I, I think with MLS as well, there is a traveling base, but not, not every city in MLS will travel seven, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 fans to a final. And, and the turnaround is so quick. So it's, you know, you, you, you play Sunday, you might be playing MLS Cup next Sunday. And that's difficult for fans to really, you know, to drop everything and go. So I'm not against the neutral site, but I... I would be more for it if there was more real fans in the stadium able to watch the game, and that's not always the case. Uh, and, and I think if you look at the last couple of finals, the atmosphere has been incredible. And I think... It's been crazy. Yeah, in large part, to be sure, you'd like an even split of fans, probably if you're neutral, um, but you prefer a great atmosphere over a, over a corporate atmosphere, and I think that's what we're getting. I, I agree with that because I, I've never seen for all the finals that I've watched for MLS from, you know, the 96 final with DC United to this last year, I would have to say that the, they out, they outdid the hype that that game was going to get, especially in Seattle with the way the fans brought it. And they didn't just bring it for a few minutes here and there, or when a goal was scored, they brought it for a full 90 and it really turned. I felt like that was the, like you said earlier, that was definitely a 12 man if the fans weren't as loud and vocal as they were, I don't think, I don't think Seattle wins that game. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, if you look at the statistics, I was looking today at, um, they were talking about the premier league coming back, how important it is to play at home. The percentage drops by 15% from home to away in terms of the advantage. So yeah, look, if you can be at home, you, you go through a routine that you're so used to, you're looking up in the crowd and it's your family. It's the people you see every time you walk out in the field. 
absolutely it plays a part. And uh, I think Toronto will say the same. Yeah. Uh, Toronto won one at home. They'll probably feel like they could have won the other one. Um, you know, Stefan Fry doesn't produce that incredible save. They, they might they might have won another one. But, uh, you, you know, overall ha- being at home is, is so vitally important. And again, play well in the regular season, you get that, uh, you get that opportunity. Now imagine that 15% when soccer comes back and there's no fans in the, in the stadium, what happens to that 15%? But yep. you never know, right? We, we, we might see fans, who knows? Season take holders or something along those lines. So another thing that we, we've spoken a lot here amongst ourselves here on, on we're in a transfer market, reopens, what happens with transfer market? I mean, there's probably so many different variations that go with the transfer market. So how do you think the transfer market is going to be affected by this suspension. Do you think we see transfer market change radically or what happens to the transfer market and contracts as well with players? Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. I think it's one of those, one of those things that has to change right now because, you know, when, when, when any business has financial issues, they look to their assets, right, and, and how they maintain their assets. So if, if you're a club that's on, on the brink financially, uh, you know, there's rumors that four or five Premier League clubs are. They're probably going to have to sell players that maybe in the past they would have said we don't want to sell. Um, that, that's that's a definite. And I also think at the very top end of the market, you're not going to see clubs spending 80, 90 million on players like we've seen over the last couple of summers. Yeah. So that will that will come down as well. Um, it, it, I mean, I, I would like to say that agents fees and everything will drop because that is incredibly inflated how how transfer dealings have been done in Europe with a number of agents controlling the the majority of players. I I don't see them not getting their cut, but I do think they'll have to change the way they do business a little bit as well and understand that clubs simply won't have the money because the revenue game day is not coming in right now. So where would they be getting all of that money to sign players, particularly those mid to low level clubs in the Premier League and, and Bundesliga as well? I just hope you know, Sancho makes his uh, makes his transfer to Man United. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Sancho is one of the top young players. I mean, for me, calling him every week. We had him up in Seattle last summer as well. Absolutely incredible to to turn Pep Guardiola down at Man City for the money that he was offered initially. He bet on himself. People people don't people shouldn't forget that he took less money initially to go to Dortmund. Now he's on a lot of money. Uh, but Dortmund are in a good shape. Dortmund, Dortmund could hold on to him for another year, but you know, Liverpool fan, I'm hoping, I'm hoping he either says it's Dortmund or goes somewhere else uh, in Europe, not in England. But uh, if Man United could get him, they would be a better team with, with Jadon Sancho, that's for sure. You know, a, a team that might be taking advantage of the situation is probably Newcastle, especially with their new investor and you know some names being dropped on possible new players coming along. That might be the new Manchester City here shortly too. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if they take advantage of the situation. Yeah, yeah. Newcastle, um, you know, if, if the, the, the takeover goes through, as it looks like it's going to, I think we've heard Koulibaly mentioned. And I think Napoli is one of those clubs that might have been able to hold on. Now they might be saying, look, we're going to have to cash in. But I will say for Newcastle fans, financial fair play is stricter now than it was then. No, I know there's there's financial doping and there's ways of, well, we're going to sponsor this stand for 800 million. Those things are, are you can't do that anymore as owners. So that can level things out a little bit. And and also, there's not many Manchester City fans before this investment. Not that I know of, anyway. But if you remember when the initial investment came, 
For every uh, Sergio Aguero, there was a Joe. Anybody remember Joe, Brazilian? There was a Robinho who didn't even know who he was signing for when he arrived. Balotelli. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there was, there was uh, Adebayor. So they, they went through a lot of players that didn't work out to get to the ones that did. Um, so it's not as simple as saying, let's flick a switch. Um, but having said that, if you're Newcastle, you'd rather have that money and, uh, and, and be able to, to take some of those hits. And that's going to be an interesting one because that is an inc- I work with Warren Barton, play for Newcastle. That fan base up there is absolutely incredible. And, and they, they deserve more than they've been given. What's, yeah. Warren's, what's Warren's take been on uh, this Newcastle news? I, you know, I, haven't, I haven't got his take on, on the new ownership. I know um, I'm friends with Miguel Delaney, and Miguel has written some, some pretty scathing articles on, on, on the people behind you know, the, the, the takeover bid and perhaps why they shouldn't be allowed to, to own a club in the Premier League. And um, To be honest, I just don't have enough information on that. Um, I can understand why Newcastle fans are excited. Um, you know, because you get the chance to compete for top players and um, it, it's, it, it gives you a chance to be relevant again. And uh, you look at Sunderland, Sunderland Till I Die, similar area. That area is just crying out for a team to, to be lifted and, and, and lift the spirits of, of, of that region. So I would imagine Warren's excited. Uh, he talks a lot about Newcastle. Um, he, he still has a lot of love for the club. I think most players who played there do. So uh, I think there could be good times ahead for the club. I couldn't imagine the ownership being any worse than they currently have. <laughs> it's pretty rough. I think if you Google some of the stuff, um, yeah, you, you, you might. I mean, Miguel's written, written incredibly well yeah. on it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't like mixing the politics because for me, sure, sure. Me, me, for me to make the comments, I, I, I just haven't done enough research on it. Um, but, you know, like I said, Miguel's a great writer. Uh, Tariq Pania is a, a great writer as well. These guys are covering the story in depth. I, I don't see it not happening. I, I just, I think it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Um, and, you know, we, we'll see moving forward. But again, money's not a guarantee of success. Well, with the ownership and the articles I read from Miguel, um, I'm interested to see what happens. Yeah. Because his articles have been, been pr- there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons that come with it. So um, during this time, what have you found to be the hardest thing with no soccer? just like what 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 we're doing you, you know it's it's not just that you you watch games it's such a massive part of your week in the, in the build-up you know thursday friday you're watching press conferences for me i start my prep on a monday re-watching the old games tuesday press press conference maybe for a midweek game all of those things so so every day there's like a, a block of time that I have that I have nothing to do. And it's the, the it, it's a not knowing I think that causes the, you know, anxiety for people and fans. Cause if I knew you're going to call this game on June 10th, I would watch both teams every day until then and have everything ready. And you just don't know what game you're calling next. So, so that's been the biggest thing for me, these blocks of times that I had filled up with, you know, watching games, watching press conferences, researching players, all of those things. Now it's what do I do with my time? Um, learning another language, trying to trying to make the best of it. But um, yeah, really, really missing. I, I need football to be back and, and fill up as much of my day as possible. Yeah, I can only imagine as a supporter, uh, it's a big hole missing in my day. So working in the business, it's it's got to be brutal. But uh, switching switching over to MLS now, uh, the MLS is adding teams as we obviously know. 
Is that helping the talent in the league or hindering its potential growth of existing clubs? Sacramento joins in 2022, and we aren't quite sure what to expect. Yeah, I would have said a couple of seasons ago it was hindering um, because um, I think, Jonathan, you mentioned earlier you felt it grew a little bit too quickly. Um, but what I think they've done well is um, they've increased the cap uh, and, and the money is, is, is coming in. So I think if you look at Seattle over the last couple of years, they've had between eight and ten squad players on what's considered target allocation money or designated player money, which is players that you know earn really, really good money. They, they, they could go abroad and perhaps not earn as much. So I think you're bringing in more quality players. You're giving teams more money to spend on more quality players. But yeah, I mean, the question still remains, where are these young players in this country coming? Um, hopefully through the academy. We've seen some issues with that over recent weeks. Um, but Sacramento Republic have a good academy system lined up. Um, hopefully you have two or three or four players by that time who are ready to challenge. And then I think with the financial uh, purse strings being loosened a lot in MLS, I think all of a sudden you'll find you're able to go out and get some young uh, talented uh, up-and-coming players, particularly in South America and Central America, that fit into the profile of, of what GMs are looking for here. And, and that, that should be able to get you off and running. Um, but again, having said that, it's still difficult to compete with some of the big clubs who've already built their reputation, Seattle being one, and LAFC with how much money they've spent as well. It's, it's tough. So you, you have to have someone who's very savvy picking out those players and spending the money in the correct way. Now, you brought up an interesting comment with the idea of the academies. We, we have just found out recently about the U.S. Academy, you know, shutting its doors. What does that do for the growth of MLS academies or even those USL2 teams like uh, Timbers 2 or um, those other clubs, Galaxy 2? How does that help the growth of talent in America or does it, does it stop? No, I, I think, look, I've, I've been speaking with some people in MLS over the last week and, and they're, they're still going to have an academy structure. It's important. I, I think uh, someone asked me, how do you define a, a, a successful academy long term? I'm like, an academy is not something that you can predict in two, three, that's going to be success. It just happened. Like, you know, Liverpool is a club, you know, Michael, you've watched, Liverpool went a long time after Steven Gerrard without a player. Oh, yeah. The academy. And then all of a sudden Trent comes through. And Trent's a, a 50, 60, 80 million pound player, whatever it Easy. might be. Or maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe the best right back in the world. So it's an academy every year if you're going to keep judging and saying, well, it's unsuccessful, you've had no player. That's not how it works. You know, Barcelona did it. They had that group with Iniesta, with Xavi, with Busquets all coming through. And all, then there was nobody. They were signing players again. So I, I think it's important you have that there, but you also have to understand it's not always going to be successful. You can't, you can't say after two years, we're not putting any more money in that. It's not being successful. It, it, it doesn't work like that. It's going to be up, down, up, down. And yeah. um, you, you, have to, you have to have owners that recognize that, eat up that cost, knowing in the long term, you will create the players that will save you the money as well. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. Luis, uh, it's time for rapid fire. Yeah, it's time for one of our favorite segments here on the show, our uh, new Glory Rapid Fire questions. Um, so here's how it works, Keith. Uh, we asked 10 questions. You won't know what question comes after. You can only skip two questions, and you got to first skip a question before we can move forward. Um, so before we get started... Oh, I can answer or skip, correct. Okay. You can answer, and then if, you, if it's one that you're, you're stuck on, okay. you, can, you can pass, but we have to go back to it. Okay. Okay. 
yeah, that's our new added role that we <laughs> established. I'm in here already, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so before we start, um, today's rapid fire questions are brought to you by New Glory Beer. Check them out online at newglorybeer.com. So let's get started here, Keith. First question, what makes Schmetzer unique as a coach? Man management, his, his ability to deal with players. He can look a player in the eye, tell him exactly how he feels, good or bad, and that player still wants to run through a brick wall for him. So man management separates him from everybody else. So as a player, a uh, coach, and a, essentially a journalist play-by-play, you've seen players that you've been wowed by that other people have said negative comments about him. Who's the one player that you've experienced, have experience with who's wowed you, um, even though people have had negative uh, commentary on him? Wow. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I would say uh, Michael may disagree with me on this. Being a Liverpool fan, they, they, they have a bad opinion. Uh, Dayan Lovren um, mm. is a player that people would – it, it, it was just the, the go-to, like he is, and I'm going, watching him live, I'm like, no, he's a good defender in a system, but the, the system isn't successful right now because, and I know you'll say Van Dijk, but when, when you have the right pieces around certain players, they'll do well. And I always thought he had enough to do, to do well, and I was never as down on him as other people were. So uh, wow is a strong word. I won't say I was ever wowed by Diane Lovren, but I always thought he did a lot better than people gave him credit for. Oh man, yeah, Lovren. <laughs> I think it's more so now that he's taken so much flack that he tries a little too hard now. It's just <laughs> it it ends up hindering his performance. But um, yeah. Who did you idolize as a player growing up in Dublin? My my idol was a guy called Steve McMahon. He played for Liverpool in midfield. Uh, he played in the '86 final. Real hard man. So when I made my confirmation, obviously a young Catholic boy. They said you had to pick uh, the name of a saint. So I picked Steve, Stephen. So he was my saint. I'm not quite sure that's what the priest had in mind, but uh, Steve McMahon was my, uh, was my favorite player growing up. Which of these two crests would you kiss? Portland or Manchester United? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> How do you plan on celebrating a Liverpool EPL championship if they finish the season? uh it, it'll it'll be emotional I'll, I'll be i'll be crying for sure um you know the club means so much to me um when that moment when it's official um hopefully it becomes official uh i'll be i'll shed a tear and then and then maybe enjoy a celebratory uh glass of of uh champagne virtually with all my liverpool fans around the world so uh it'll, it'll be a great day and you know hopefully when everybody's okay we can get back on the field and see that happen yeah, I'll definitely raise a toast with you, Keith. Uh, I was two the <laughs> last time, so I want to I want to enjoy one. Uh, in your almost four years with Sounders, what three players would make it into the team's Hall of Fame for your four years? Ooh, uh, Nico Ladero, uh, absolutely no doubt for me. Makes everybody better. Great guy, DP, and and earns that every day. There's no question from any of his teammates. Stefan Fry just leads by example. Top goalkeeper, um, just Mister Consistency. And, and he makes, we always say keepers need to make the saves they're supposed to. He does that and he makes that extra one that he's not supposed to. So 100% Hall of Fame for me. And then Christian Roldan, um, you know, that player that um, he slipped down the draft in, in MLS. We don't talk about MLS draft as much anymore. And I, I couldn't quite 
understand why he slipped so low. Ziggy Schmidt, uh, God rest him, what a, what a great guy he was. Said, no, this guy's a player. Brought him in, gave him the opportunity, and you look at him now, he's, he's you know, top, top level. Uh, honorable mention to Jordan Morris because he's right there as well. But Christian, um, week in, week out, has been absolutely phenomenal. So those three, hands down for me, Hall of Fame. If you could remove an MLS team and replace it with the Liga MX or USL club, who's getting axed and who's taking their place? Ooh. <laughs> oh, man, that's tough. Uh, well, well, Bex is... Bex is uh, Bex is Man United, right? So let's get rid of Inter Miami. Uh, and uh, let's bring in uh, Atlante. Is Atlante in, in Cozumel? Who's the, who's the team in uh, Cancun? Uh, Atlante, yeah. They, they were in the second division or wanna, the old second division. Yeah, who doesn't want to go to Cancun for, uh, for uh, an away day MLS game? So I'd bring in Atlante. I know it's uh, not Liga MX right now, but that, that would be the team I would bring in. There we go. My, uh, my uncle was a US, or uh, what was the old league? Um, and he was, uh, he was an assistant referee for the league back in the seventies and ASL, the NASL. He was an assistant referee in Portland and Seattle. Spent a lot of time between the two, uh, met Pele and loved it and always told stories about the Pacific Northwest, Northwest and their passion for the game. But my question is what makes the Pacific Northwest so passionate about soccer in your eyes? Uh, for me, it, it goes to the city. They love their city first. So they are proud to represent Seattle, um, Portland as well. They represent their neighborhood. They love it there. They, they love living there. Their kids are growing up and their kids are going to love living there. So it's, it's pride in the city first. When you're on that field, you're representing their city. Um, and that helps build a culture. They don't, they don't just want to win. They want to win a certain way. They want you to represent that club with pride, with honor, um, because you're, you know, when you're on the road, you're representing a whole region. So that, for me, uh, is what separates it from everywhere else. Um, you know, you go to other cities, you get a lot of transplants. In Seattle, it's, it's not like that. People love living there and they love their city with, with, with their heart and soul, and, and it, it helps separate them from, from other fan bases in, in this country. Do you think David Beckham deserved, uh, deserves a statue before Donovan in L.A.? <laughs> you know, um, I would say on a playing front, no. Not what David did on the field is not a, a bigger, uh, bigger than what Landon did on the field. What he did for this league is bigger. So for me, if you, if you add up everything, yeah, David, the, the moment David signed, the, 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 the direction of this league shifted. Um, it was relevant. I would go to Europe and interview players. They all wanted to talk about it. Um, I remember Bakary Sanya at the time at Man City saying to me, why well, is there no team in Miami yet? Like, I want to live in Miami. And I was, I was laughing like it was, you know, obviously it's there now. But Beckham, Beckham put the league on the map. He, he, he made this DP rule. Landon can, Landon, Landon's a top player, and I think Landon would admit now, Landon, Landon's money tripled or, or, or doubled at least when David came in. He started getting players more money, getting paid uh, more relevant to other leagues. So I think David deserves a statue for everything he's done. If it's solely on football, what's on the field, Landon deserved it a little bit quicker. Yeah, both, both uh, amazing players, and it's it's hard to know which one which one I'd even go with too, because both both really have made a big impact in the sport here here in the states, definitely. So, last question: What four players from the past or present would you build the team around? 
Ooh, four players past or present. So for me, it's it's players that I watched. I like I didn't I didn't grow up watching Pele, so it's like for me, it's just that's an answer that I can't go to. Um, I think for me, centre back wise, Alan Hansen was just the most graceful player I've ever seen in my life. Like he strolled out of the fence. So Alan Hansen would be one. Um, I, I think further forward, I'm, I'm going to go all Liverpool players because that makes it easier for me. In midfield, I've mentioned them already. Steve McMahon, he had that, you know, that grit. He, he had a little bit of flair as well. So I'll go Steve McMahon. Uh, further forward, John Barnes. Uh, man, like I've been lucky enough to be in his company a few times. After we lost the Champions League final in Ukraine, I got to hear him uh, do uh, Rapper's Delight on the mic. Incredible. Multi, multi-talented guy. Um, yeah, just, just an entertainer. And the last one for me is, is someone that I've become a good friend with. But when he, when he broke through on the team, he was my idol, even though he was close to my age at the time as well, is, is Robbie Fowler. He, he was just, you know, the most natural scorer. He had a little bit of swag about him. He was, you know, he represented Liverpool. He was from that city. So uh, th- those would be the four that I would say, that's the spine of my team. And we can go from there. And I think we'd be pretty successful. So uh, that's a solid four. I, I, as, as much as I am a Manchester United and Celtic supporter, I don't I throw will, up, John. I, I, oh, I'm not throwing <laughs> up. He picked, he picked four players you could not argue against, especially John Barnes. So um, I think that's a, that's a great, uh, great four. This is our last call. So uh, we have two more questions for you. Very simple. They're, they're little softball, soft pitch questions. What does community, Keith, mean to you? Uh, for me, community is, is everybody collectively working towards a goal. Um, you know, it's when, when you talk about community, there's, not, there's individuals within that community, but they all want the same thing. They want happiness for everyone. So for me, if I'm doing well and you're not, our community's not. So, you know, we have to work on that. So for me, it, it's, it's kind of everybody working together and understanding that it's not okay until everybody's okay. Uh, and when everybody's okay, then we can really prosper. So that's, that's how I would kind of define community. Now, how can people stay up to date with what you're doing? Uh, just, you know, on, on Twitter, I'm, I'm trying to tweet. There's nothing to tweet about right now. It's like nobody wants to see videos of my workouts. No one wants to see that. Uh, <laughs> some toilet paper. <laughs> I, I, I want a Keith workout video. I do, I do boxing every day. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, just on Twitter, you know, keep in touch. If, if you guys ever want to interact, I, I always try, you know, offer my opinion or I'm not afraid to give my opinion on things. So uh, interact, reach out. If you guys have some good stories, you know, share them with me as well. But, uh, you know, once the, the most important thing is once those games start back again, Bundesliga on Fox Sports, Sounders on, on FS1 and, and the local broadcast, you know, make sure you tune in and, and uh, you know, keep social distancing. But you know, enjoy the games when they're on. Well, we just started following you, so hopefully, we'll get a follow back, and we can we can interact sure. as, the, as the league starts uh, picking up, and and we have more to talk about. You got it anytime, and thanks for having me today, guys. Yeah, so Keith, you know, again, we want to thank you for taking the time to join us today, and you know, we appreciate the opportunity to chat, and you know, we look forward to doing this again, hopefully soon when the leagues come back. And and by the way, just to go back to to, to end on this. To go back to the question I passed on, we burn both of those uh, badges, okay? Amen. Get kids, so there we go. <laughs> you kiss the ashes, right? Kiss the ashes, is that what it would be? 
I don't have any hate. I don't. I wouldn't burn anything. I don't have any hate for any teams. I just love my teams. That's fair, Don. And you should be passionate about it. Well, Keith, again, thank you very much, man. Have a great rest of the evening. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate it. Thank you, too. Today's guest was brought to you by the Makuni Dreamline. Makuni Midtown is open, but if you can't get there, it's still easy to get your favorite dishes using the Makuni app. Please make sure to pre-order, and when you arrive, they will deliver your meal to you in your car. Visit them today at makunisushi.com or download their app, available in the App Store or Google Play. Yes, if you liked what you heard today, uh, follow us on social media. We're, we're all about it. Our Facebook group, Sacramento Soccer Fans. You can follow the Facebook page at Sacktown FC Podcast, Twitter and Instagram, uh, Sacktown FC. And of course. Wait, wait, Mike, Mike, can't forget about our amazing partners, the California Storm. They can also be found on Cal Storm Soccer on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find them on Facebook under California Storm. And you can also visit their website, calstormsoccer.com where you'll be able to find out more about the team schedule once the league comes back. And in the future, I'm sure you'll also be able to buy some merchandise uh, there too. So check them out and please, you know, support them once have games. And we're also in the video game world. You can find us on Twitch at Sacktown FC. Um, Luis plays every Saturday on Xbox uh, One under the Sacktown FC name it's a picture of a rabbit with a uh with a tie on or you can look for us on playstation 4 i will be on there and you can find us at sacktown underscore fc with our fancy logo so if you want to play me on playstation 4 check me out on playstation at sacktown underscore fc if you want some uh xbox uh hit up luis at sacktown fc and don't forget you can find us on our website at sacktown fc.com where you can find the latest and greatest even past episodes of our show you can find seth um, and his articles for soccer pulse you can also find uh previous and past shows for liga mekis or sacktown mekis you can find our sacktown uk and even our newest pod um, show our cup of tea that is um, all about women's soccer in the game and hopefully we can we can grow it from the grassroots and make it more relevant, meaningful, and build people's knowledge and appreciation for the women's game. You guys can also find out more about our new scarves that uh, we are currently working on on getting out. Um, they actually should be ready here within the next days as of this recording. So if you place your order, you should be getting it around July, around maybe first, second week of July if you place it uh, when you hear this, when it first comes out. Um, so please check that out. Scarves look really cool. They're the kind that are the summer style. So if you were a part of Tower Bridge Battalion, you might know that material. If you were a season ticket holder for the Republic, then the scarves essentially are similar to that uh, material, that lighter material fabric. So good scarves, especially for, for the summer. This podcast is powered by Reboot. Reboot is a nonprofit organization whose sole purpose is to help more kids play soccer while creating opportunities to practice generosity, empathy, and leadership. Check them out today at reboot.soccer, where you can find out more ways to be a part of the program and help reboot your community today. So that's all we have for today's episode. Again, we want to give a special thanks to Keith Costigan of Fox Sports and the Seattle Sounders 
for taking the time to join us today and to you, the listener, for listening to us and always supporting us too. Remember to have your notifications on as we know you do not want to miss any of our new episodes. We do actually have a lot waiting for you to listen. So we have a lot in the works and super excited to be releasing those in the next coming weeks. And also, please make sure to subscribe to us and give us some positive comments. And please check out our latest episodes at sagtownfc.com or you can also download them or listen to them anywhere you listen to podcasts. Have a great day, everyone, and you'll hear from us on the next podcast. Cheers, everybody. Have a good rest of the day.